You're listening to All Marine Radio, broadcasting from Costa Mesa, California, on the All Warrior Radio Network. I don't know that I've ever busted into Reveille before, but I'm going to do it today. Good morning to you from Ramstein Air Base in southwestern Germany. I'm Mike McNamara, this is All Marine Radio, and uh, this morning, two-thirds of the Mensa brothers will join me. Um, will Cosentini is home to celebrate his mother's birthday, because he's a good kid. Uh, will joins me, and Jeff Kenny will join me from Southern California. Tim is absent today, and uh, I'm in a bit of a hurry, so good morning to you. And without further ado, the Mensa brothers, here on a Wednesday. Uh, it's Wednesday. Uh, good morning or good afternoon, whatever the hell it is, wherever you are. Uh, thanks for uh, uh, listening to us. Joining me are are two-thirds of the Mensa Brothers. Tim is off doing something else. So um, number one on your scorecard, not necessarily in your heart, Jeff Kenny from Southern California. Jeffrey, how are you? Good, thanks. Are you... Uh, I got... I got. I went to VA yesterday and had my my hips and my back X-rayed, and they gave me a um, a uh, vaccine shot for shingles. So all last night I was having nightmares and shivering in my bed here, but I'm good now, man. And I'm I'm immune from shingles, which I never had in 64 years anyway. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> the um. Now, Will is attempting to follow your lead, and he's back in uh, New York uh, going, attending his right. mother's birthday. Do you think he's only doing that because you did it, and he's trying to emulate your example of, of a good son? Or do Yes. You... <laughs> yes. I, I don't even know if it really is his mom's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so this yeah, may... so listen. Now, I've, I've known, known... <laughs> Will is going to see his mom. <laughs> known jeff since may of 1988 and if i've learned one thing it's don't follow his example so (laughs) Uh, that's the first time jeff's ever taken that uh taking me up what i've teed you up for him that you were uh every once in a while you know a blind you know blind squirrel finds a nut there you go but as a betting man don't follow that example (laughs) you know the impressive thing about will's mom the first time I talked to Will, but you know, because you got to talk to Will for a while. You got to get past the, you know, irritating fucking um, voice and everything. But once you get past that, he was telling me about his mom was uh, she she felt she wasn't busy enough, so she got a job at McDonald's. This is like back in the late eighties. Remember that, Will? And uh, and I'll tell you, it was interesting. Seven years, really? Because well, he was well. You told me you told me though in the late eighties. I didn't know you in the seventies, but uh, yeah. And so she was like, you know. And her observations and everything was like, you know, it was interesting stuff. And then you meet the ladies, great lady, you know, and because uh, they come down and uh, just like all the all the WAP relatives, although she's like a she's a WAP by by proxy because she married Will's dad, just like my dad's a, you know, he was an Irish guy who married a WAP lady, and they uh, they come down and they visit, man. If you're in like Adak, Alaska, they'll find a way to come and see you, you know. But um, yeah. <laughs> Don't well, forget, I, I, they don't come to see you. They come to see your kids. <laughs> That's it. And yeah, you're right. 
I uh, but I just want to tell you, I just want to com- commend both of you for being good sons. I mean, come on. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's laudatory. A lot of sons aren't that devoted, and uh, both of you are great examples of being good sons. So, congratulations. Thank you, Mac. But yeah. I have to tell you, and here's the thing, you know, it's something that I, I'm like. Afghanistan in that regard and that we shouldn't dwell too much on the goodness of Jeff because just (laughs) just like Afghanistan, if something looks good in Afghanistan and you scratch it, it turns bad. And if it looks bad, you scratch it. It's even worse than you thought. (laughs) So let's just leave it at that. And know know that the only reason you're seeing it is because they want you to see it. Okay. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you would not be seeing it. The, um, because Tim's gone, I'll kind of do a, I'll kind of do his little uh, recap about uh, uh, the general events of uh, the last 24 hours uh, when I I feel obligated to echo something that I heard on the news yesterday um, relative to American, the American energy situation. There is no short term fix for this. Okay. So buying electric cars are, is not going to fly with the American people and everybody in the country knows. So that's number one. Uh, another, I thought, uh, very interesting, uh, on the heels of uh, yesterday President Biden saying that the United States will no longer import Russian energy, coal, or um, uh, oil. Um, the European Union, who's in a much more compromised position, and, we, and we've talked about that relative to their energy, announced that it would cut Russian consu- their consumption of Russian energy products by two-thirds by the end of this year. And that's no joke. I mean, uh, when you're talking about 40% of your, 40-something percent in Germany, I think, I think Denmark, very similar to that, France above 20. Uh, when you're saying you're going to cut that by two-thirds, that's, uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty substantial um, revenue hit. Um, and it, it remains to be seen if China and other sources will buy up all of that. Um, another interesting news story from yesterday that as the President of the United States was phoning, right, trying to marshal support for uh, the American and Western response to all of this, both Saudi Arabia and the United Arab, Arab Emirates uh, said no to that phone call. Uh, they did talk uh, to Vladimir Putin, though. Um, so and that was interesting. <laughs> also in the news, Poland's offer of jets um, to the Ukraine via the United States. Now, the polls, um, it got my attention, right? And so the polls said, no, we're going to take our F-16s. We're going to fly them to Ramstein. And I saw that, and I'm like, why the fuck are we making Ramstein a target this week, okay? Nobody needs that. Why don't you fly them someplace else? Why don't you fly them to the U.K.? That would be all right. Um, and then the United States pushed back on it and said, we don't see a feasible plan that, that this happens. Quote, we will continue to consult with Poland and our NATO allies about this issue and the difficult logistical challenges it presents. But we do not believe Poland's proposal is a tenable one. So a uh, little bit of a kabuki dance going on with uh, uh, F-16s that Poland says they will offer. The United States supposedly going to backfill that with something else. Um, uh, again, also Patriot missile batteries. The U.S. says it is repositioning two Patriot missile batteries in Poland uh, to Poland uh, to proactively, quote, counter any potential threat to U.S. and allied forces and NATO territory. Um, so that in the news. 
Russian lawmakers enacted price controls on uh, most uh, medicines, essential children's products, building materials, household chemicals. Uh, the humanitarian situation in uh, southeastern Maripol, which is in the southeastern part of Ukraine, is dire. Evacuations are still blocked by Russian forces that are shelling the city. Uh, the Ukraine foreign minister says almost 3,000 newborn babies lack medicine and food there. Um, let's see. The EU, and, and this is within the last hour, the EU approved new sanctions against Russia and Belarus. The sanctions target Russian leaders, oligarchs, family members, and the maritime sector. The measures will also disconnect three Belarus banks from the SWIFT financial messaging system. So that in the news is kind of anecdotal, but the Ukrainian Postal Service is still operating, right? Um, And in the story, a postal worker says, deliveries are taking a little bit longer than usual. You know there's a war going on. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, and probably uh, this just 14 minutes ago, the Kremlin accused the United States of declaring an economic war on Russia that was sowing mayhem through energy markets and put the United States on notice that it was thinking carefully how to respond to a ban on Russian oil and energy. And so... Um, and then the last thing that that, that I that is here on my little feed uh, is Germany is resisting European Union efforts to sanction Russian uh, oil imports and access to ports, as well as banning Russians Surebank and Swift uh, accounts. So um, that is uh, again. I thought we were beyond that. I thought the Germans were beyond that. Um, again, they're not as uh, everybody understands the EU is not in the same position relative to energy independence, and so it'd be very difficult for them to follow the lead of uh, of anybody uh, who said we're not going to import anymore. And the United States has said that, and so uh, and again, Germany the most dependent. So you those comments I, I would think are relatively predictable. Uh, but the the Swift thing I don't really understand. I'd have to look more into that. So. Uh, that is what I know filling in for Timmy this morning. Uh, Jeff will talk about the operational stuff that's going on in uh, in Ukraine itself. Okay. You want me to start? Yep. The, uh, the Okay. The uh, Russia announced another t- temporary ceasefire in parts of the capital of Kiev and Chirkviv, uh, uh, Sumy, Kharkiv. And, Mar- and like you said, Maripol and the Donetsk province uh, to allow for civilian evacuations. But uh, those things are problematic because they only go into Russia and Belarus and people aren't wanting to go that way. The, uh, and, and then the other thing is the Ukrainians have not confirmed this, the, uh, the information. So the, uh, the, on the 7th of March, a couple of days ago, Ukrainians rejected uh, the, uh, the corridors again because they go into Russia and Belarus. And uh, also, the Ukrainian authorities announced an agreement between uh, had been reached with uh, Russian forces to open a maritime court to allow civilian evacuations out of Sumy. But uh, again, they came under fire, and and also come under fire from from Mar- leaving Maripol. So, but the other thing is, uh, 
looking at it, you know, holistically, the, the Russians have not really grabbed that much terrain at all. Not really at all. Matter of fact, it's like a rim they have, you know, around the borders of uh, where the borders touch Belarus and Russia and down in the south. And they really haven't made that much progress. And so, um, you know, consequently, the uh, you, know, you have to wonder what is the Russian end game in this? Is this as far as they want to go? There's continued uh, missile strikes and mostly missile strikes, not uh, you know, not too much fixed wing air, some, but not too much. The, the the Ukrainian air force is still operational, you know, although that uh, the airfields are closed, except for you know military aircraft, and uh, so pretty much we're at that's where we're at. We're, I mean, we're we're reaching kind of a almost like a stalemate, you know, where uh, n- neither side is making too much big gains. But the the very fact that the Russians are not, you know, gobbling up huge hunks of uh, Ukraine is uh, it says a lot about the competence and the, uh, the status of Russian forces. So that's pretty much the military situation right now, that I, as I see it, you know. Right. No, the bigs um, in what I've heard here um, in Germany is, and what they've focused on as I watch TV is is the attempt to open up six different corridors. Uh, for civilians and then but again as they always are problematic but they seem to be having some success in some of them mm-hmm. although although the news was mixed the other thing i saw was, was a story and i want to say it was it was in the new york times saying that the russian calculus has changed relative to ukraine um, putin wanted the whole country initially but uh as again a couple of days ago jeff said that you know he's you know, he's trying to act like, you know, Adolf Hitler, but he doesn't have the Wehrmacht, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and and so that he probably would be content if he can get Kiev, right, with the eastern half of the Ukraine because he simply can't get to the, the, the rest of the country. He doesn't have the military might to do it. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, little prognostication. Um, and, I, and again, I don't think you need to be a genius to figure that one out either. Uh, Will, uh, economic stuff? Um, having, <clears throat> excuse me, um, not sure I've seen a lot of international movement on anything. Uh, oil yesterday went to like uh, 125 or so. Uh, but it's down five or six percent on trading today, like one seventeen, one eighteen. Um, you know, anecdotally, I went and filled up for four dollars and eleven cents yesterday morning. Uh, it's the cheapest gas in town around here. And my brother went yesterday afternoon and filled up for four twenty nine. Same gas station. Hmm. It is. Yeah, it is. Approx- it's approximately four fifty uh, at the at the base at the the stations here on Ramstein Air Base. So, Jeff, how about you? I mean, four fifty a liter or four fifty yeah. a gallon? Yeah, that's. Le- well, he's on. I'm American on base, base, so I right? assumed it's, it's a gallon. Yeah. Right. Um, it's. Yeah. It's. He's right, though, man. It gets confusing. The uh, but here I filled up. Um, I was just a little bit less than half a tank. Cost me fifty four dollars to fill up all the way, and it was four dollars and uh, eighty nine cents per gallon on the Del Mar gas station at Camp Pendleton. Oh, so, wow. you know, 
I paid. But I, you the good here, news is, you weren't here yesterday, is, Jeff. But it costs the same for a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I I told I told Will that I paid at the cheapest place around where I live in Orange County. I paid five twenty on. Yeah. On oh yeah. I don't know when the hell I flew out on Saturday or Sunday. I I, I paid five twenty. Uh, a gallon. I hear you, man. The, mo- hear you. That's the most, exactly I, right. And the most I've ever paid in my life for for gas. I, I don't. And again, we'll ask the question. Well, what would what would seventies gas adjusted for inflation be today? And I guess that's a good question. But but AAA said, and again, I would I would imagine will they would AAA would adjust for inflation. But they said yeah, yeah, they yeah. said they said the national price is is as high is the highest it's ever been in the nation. So anyway. You know, my my uh my step my stepson left me with an empty tank of gas when I got back here from uh, Florida, and so I didn't even think I could make it to the Anafre Gate. I mean that's how low I was. So like just like you said, Mac, I went to a gas station in San Clemente, and that's exactly the price what you said that I, I had to pay. Yeah. You know, just enough. To, yeah, so I get my ass on base where it's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, keep going. Um, you want to talk about this digital currency thing? Yeah, yeah. I I, I I saw that, and that kind of uh, two stories in the last twenty four hours raised my eyes. Uh, one is uh, Ernest Shackleton's ship, the Endurance, uh, was found, and that is an epic story of historical nature and and leadership and survival. That's crazy. Um, and then the other story I saw a little bit ago that the president would sign an executive order um, for federal agencies to review the risk of crypt of the crypto market and consider creation of a u.s digital currency um yeah. I, I was like oh whoa so anyway yeah yeah you know so what you is see- what is digital currency for it's to be able to do anonymous transactions or as a store of value so if there's a government-sponsored digital currency the idea of anonymous transactions may very well become moot there um you know having a u.s digital dollar it it does do a few things for example think of the pandemic when a government wanted to shower the people with money it's pretty easy to do if everyone's got a digital account right there'd be a lot less fraud etc i think on the other end if the government wants to confiscate money again pretty easy to do if there's a digital account and so, um, if the U.S. government created a digital dollar, uh, also, if it if it has anonymous characteristics, you know, if it's true blockchain, et cetera, then how involved is the government in that currency? Uh, and if it's being used for nefarious purposes does the government have any sort of involvement in that? So there's a lot to this. That book I read about a month ago, The Future of Finance, uh, a lot of people have thought long and hard uh, about this, and it's not clear. I don't think there's any ideological, uh, you know, left-right grouping on whether the U.S. should have a digital currency. And I think economists, I mean, economists, can always see both sides of the story, right? Would Harry Truman say, I want a one-handed 
economist. Because <laughs> they always say on one hand, well, on the other hand. Um, but I, I don't think there's a real consensus about is it would this be a virtuous thing or is it something we can do and mitigate the downside of it? You know, I think it's just sort of too new right. and how people use it is too new. Um, so I, I'm listen, I applaud the government for investigate investigating uh, the value, what it brings forward. I hope that argument would be very transparent uh, uh, with the people and, and help determine whether we do it or not as a country. Yeah, I'll just read you a paragraph out of the Wall Street Journal article on it. The executive order will, will urge federal regulators to review the risks, you know, roughly what Will said, um, a roughly $1.75 trillion crypto market presents to consumers, investors, and the broader economy. Federal agencies will have several months to prepare a report with their findings, which would then inform any new regulatory actions that the White House would take according to a senior administrative uh, administration official. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so this, think of think of who those agencies are. It stinks, man. AMI, <clears throat> ATF, Homeland Security. Um, so would they want to create a digital currency in order to take away from the current crop of digital currencies, of which there's about five or 10,000? Biggest being Bitcoin, obviously. Um, you know, you're going to, and, um, I mean, I'm no Bitcoin expert, and I'm not sure I could explain the blockchain to a kindergartner, uh, but I guarantee I spent a lot more time thinking about it and looking at it than the average bureaucrat in the federal government. Um, so, yeah. But, but what you laid out is frightening to me because uh, this for the announced by the current administration you know the you know how this was going to come about i don't like it because i mean look at these people i mean they're trying to figure out a way to to uh to confiscate money from people who refuse to get a vaccine and look what they did to general flynn these people you know the the, the new tactic is to steal somebody's money in a you know, air quotes, legal way. And this is just an easier way to do it. And I don't like it, you know. I'll read you one other thing. It's a way thing. to make you comply. Um, quote, here's another senior administration official. This is not an, a, niche, a niche issue anymore. And it's profoundly important that we have the right tools to mitigate the risks to consumers and to investors and, frankly, to the entire financial system. Um. And then one more thing. Um, under the executive order, the Biden administration will scrutinize how cryptocurrencies may undercut U.S. sanctions and efforts to fight money laundering, yada, yada, yada. So um, so to me, it's a legitimate issue relative to, I mean, the study of it relative to our financial system because, Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a form of our national power. And so to me, there's probably certain steps the United States should take. Um, relative to sustaining our our global position financially, um, but again, as as Jeff said, there's also huge bells and whistles associated uh, ex going off, uh, you know, in this Orwellian thing that you just made easier to get more Orwellian, and so um, so 
pretty interesting. Um, and then the whole march of of um, crypto anyway, right? And you sh- you should probably, as a regulator, you should probably not get caught sitting on the sidelines of that. You should at least be proactive. So to me, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. And I think there'll be a very, very interesting discussion about how the nation proceeds on that because, you know, preserving – you know, your your national power is one thing. You know, greater intrusion into the lives of Americans is another. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's – I think it will be the, yeah, a, you know, an interesting, you know, discussion. They uh, – what they say, they hit uh, in order to protect consumers, investors – I forget the other one. Um, consumers, crypto is pretty irrelevant right now. Right. I mean, I guess in theory there are places that you can use crypto, but who the hell is buying Bitcoin to to be able to use to buy their groceries and stuff? You know, completely mm-hmm. volatile, et cetera. Right. Investors, um, I, uh, I there are some big Wall Street companies that are looking at crypto and have and have bought a certain amount of crypto. I think, you know, Elon Musk has crypto, um, but I, I think that the average person that's been dabbling in crypto in the last year uh, also likes to invest in slot machines. So I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> to me, it's, it's a, it, to me, it's, 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 a, it's a form of gambling and speculation. And, and so that, 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 that's where the fringe is because crypto, right. I, I saw some numbers earlier about Bitcoin, about how much actually trades in Bitcoin. And it's a very fringe amount that's used and those are people that are that are probably late to the party. Said, "Oh, I remember when Bitcoin was a hundred, and now it's fifty thousand. I, I should get a piece of that." Look, uh, a gauge. You know, Peter Lynch ran the uh, Magellan Fund right, right. in the '80s. You know, it was the greatest mutual fund in the history of mutual funds. And I think he t- talked about you know when he would get stock tips from taxi drivers, and it's time to get out of the market. Right, too many people are in. <laughs> right. And I will tell you that that you cannot go to a poker table and sit down there for 20 minutes without someone saying something about crypto. So that tells me it's a very fringy, frothy market, and there's a bunch of people uh, about to lose a whole shit ton of money in it. As a, uh, as a former financial person, uh, there's a theory called the odd lot theory, and odd lots are, are less than 100 shares traded. When when the odd lotters and that's Main Street, right? Grandma and Grandpa, when they start trading their less than hundred shares, the party's over. Okay, when mainstream joins in, <laughs> that's the signal to get the fuck out because it's over. Whatever run is over. Um, interestingly enough, today the Dow jumped five hundred eighty points following four days of losses, and then oil prices pulled back after their recent surge. That's interesting. Um. Here's another. Well, oil is up though. Oil's up what? Thirty three percent in less than a month. Right. Uh, no, I'm just saying. Interesting that it pulled back today, and maybe it pulled back um, on on the news that the EU would not follow so much the American example because they simply can't. And here's another piece of interesting news: uh-huh. the Chernobyl plant disconnected from the power grid in what Ukraine called an extremely dangerous situation. Um, I. I, I Again, I this is me being stupid, but I th- Chernobyl was even um, I didn't even know it was even online. I thought that thing was like a a nuclear wasteland and was being studied. Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was being studied. I didn't even I didn't know I didn't know it was online. So news to me, right? Um, yeah, and I you know, whenever I see news about nukes in Ukraine, I it's yeah I, I'm, it's, lot, I'm, it's bullshit. I'm a little bit fearful because right, it's nukes. But on the other hand, I'm thinking when you start seeing that the babies can't get their fu- their their formula, uh, that the Neo intensive care units are being closed, and that the nuclear power plants are in grave danger. To me, how much of that is propaganda? Where are they trying to pull your strings? Uh, yeah, that's a good. It goes point. back to the Kuwait playbook of of ninety one yeah. or whatever it was. Ninety. And, ninety. Yeah, ninety. Not saying that it wasn't true, but, but it's it interesting true. that those are the stories that get to the top of the pile. Um, and again, mm-hmm. the one about the Ukrainian nuclear power plant last week. Remember, the world is going to end because the Russians are shelling yeah. this power plant. And then the IAEA was a says, yeah, they, the IAEA says, well, radiation has increased, but it's still lower than typical background radiation. So, yeah. anyway. Let me just There's clip. a lot of stuff that, that's going on that turned out to be a lie. Right. You know, right. Remember the, the heroic guys on the island who said, go fuck yourself, and then they all died? None of them died. They all surrendered. But so, supposedly, a lot of stuff we're being fed is bullshit. Supposedly, the yeah, ship. Then this, the, the next sh- one is that they the, the sunk sh- that ship. Yeah, Somebody they sunk. sunk they, ship, they, yeah. The Ukrainians claim they sunk the ship, but um, here's a clarification. Um, let's see. The attempts came as Ukraine's state-owned grid operator warned that the closed Chernobyl nuclear power plant has been disconnected from the nation's power grid by Russian forces, potentially jeopardizing the cooling of nuclear fuel still stored at the site. So I'm not as stupid as I thought. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dimitro Kuba demanded a ceasefire with Russia to allow repairs as another official called the loss of contact with the International Atomic Energy Agency an extremely dangerous situation. So anyway, just to add a little bit more information that makes it make sense to me now. So the um, now I, I sent out an email and, uh, and, and based on our conversation yesterday, um, I was... Uh, I asked, and, and it was it was essentially um, spawned by uh, Tim, and so um, I, I I corrected this message I think seven different times because I kept screwing it up, um, and so here's the question, based on the some of the things Tim said yesterday, specifically if you were the president of the United States, so you're POTUS, right? Uh, the end state vis-a-vis Russia and Ukraine. That's number one. Two, the end state vis-a-vis Europe and the United Kingdom. Three, the end state vis-a-vis U.S. energy policy. And four, the end state vis-a-vis China. So we were, you know, and my preference would be that um, that Tim would be here. But, uh, but we'll have our discussion anyway, and then Tim can bomb in yesterday. So, Jeff, you want to start? Uh, one, two, three, okay. and four, what are your, what are your end states? Okay. Let's see. The first one is uh, if this is is this the one if I was POTUS? Yeah, if you were POTUS. Okay. Okay. End state vis-a-vis Russia and Ukraine. All right. Um, I would uh, continue to condemn Russia for invading Ukraine, and I, I would provide them 
with no, I would not participate in a no fly zone. I would not participate in, um, you know, sending them um, aircraft. I would, uh, I would continue to resupply with uh, anti-tank weapons like the, uh, like the Jav, and also you know the, uh, the Stingers. And uh, I would, you know, make I would lean heavily on letting humanitarian people in and out because I smell a rat in that whole fucking thing. And my attitude now, looking at this, I'm starting to think that this is like the the Rush is like the Genovese crime family. And Ukraine is like the Bonanno crime family. Two crooked fucks going at each other. One of them much, much more powerful than the other. And uh, because everything, almost virtually everything we heard coming out of Ukraine has been proven to be a lie. You know, and and also the Russians, both of them are lying so much you can't really uh, you can't really depend on anything. And because I don't believe that it's in our best interest to get involved in any kind of deep way, I'd stay out of that. Now, because I do believe it's in our interest to contain Russia, I'd beef up uh, our military um, relationship with Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, and also with the Eastern uh, European NATO countries, for instance, Poland and Slovakia, and you know, and, and make sure that they have what they need. And this is kind of like a too cute thing that I would do, but the more they sent into uh, into uh, Ukraine, I would I'd be amenable to backfill on them so their own coffers you know are not depleted in regards to weaponry. Also, I'd beef up uh, military uh, a relationship with Turkey, with Turkey, and with uh, some of the uh, the countries that play that that used to be what we now call the stands, you know, in the southern rim of what you call Russia now. And, uh, and basically, I'd say, look, send a message that look. You guys are having you guys are having your moment there. You're fighting, but uh, you know, and we don't. We kind of believe that Russia is in the wrong on this, but you know, we're not. We don't want to get involved because that's your fucking business. The other thing, you know, we're we're so much in debt, over twenty trillion. I think almost. 30, I mean, Will would probably know this, but I know it's like incalculable, unthinkable. So I, I would say, if we're going to spend any money that we don't have, it would be beefing up our own navy. And also the border down there with Mexico, because way more Americans are being harmed by the stuff that's coming across that border. And the, and the real war that's going on is that war down there in, in Mexico, which borders our country and actually has killed some Americans and a shitload of Mexicans. So I'd say uh, that'd be my vis-a-vis Russia and Ukraine. That'd be how I go with it. As far as Europe and the UK, I say, hey, it doesn't look like Russia's doing too good. It ain't like back in the old, back in the day when you had the Soviet Union, and the only ones who could really do anything was the United States. You got England, you got Germany. You guys handle it for a while. Looks like Ukraine's doing pretty good. You guys help them, you know. And uh, it, it's not like it's not exactly like we're you know nineteen forty uh, Europe, where it's England alone, you know, against the juggernaut of the Nazis. It's just not that way. So I wouldn't, you know, that's how I'd look at with, with them. And um, U.S. energy policy. All this crap about uh, you know going electric cars and shutting and you know uh, you know not accepting Russian you know oil and so forth. I'd say our our thing to do would be get to be energy energy independent like we were like we were in January of 2021. Go back to that full bore. Even in just doing that, it's going to send a message that's uh, you know that's uh, that's beneficial. And in regards to China. If they if the polls were dumb enough to send 
you know, MIGs to uh, to Ramstein, I'd send those fucking MIGs to Taiwan. <laughs> you know, that's what I'd do with that. I'd say, hey, look, we're more interested in China and, and the, you know, what's going on over there than we are with, uh, you know, the uh, Russians and the fucking Ukrainians. And that that's uh, pretty much how I looked at this. Got it. Without the Fs, you know. All right. Well, how about okay. you? I think uh, in regards to Ukraine, um, you know, we want what we want is status quo antebellum, right? So right. get it back to where the war started. The Russians are going to occupy their ter- territories in the east. We allowed them to do it in 2014, so that's going to continue. Um, I, I, I think uh, that if if Russia is having the significant problem and they're doing. They might be able to climb down from that. And look, that's the best deal we can offer the Ukrainians. We can't offer them a complete sovereignty over their entire territory. They gave that up in 2014 as well. In regards to Europe and the UK, I think we need to really think hard about what we want NATO to be. Do we really want Finland and Sweden to join NATO? You know, Finland is on the border of the Russians. What What is the purpose of NATO. Um, NATO had an opportunity during the Bosnia war, uh, and it just took a long time for NATO to get off their ass. So what do we want from NATO? And let's think very clearly about that. Are we willing to, remember the attack on one is an attack on all, are we willing to go to the nuclear World War One over, over Latvia? You know, and I'm not saying be an isolationist. What are the interests? The the Cold War is different. There we had an ideological nuclear armed powerhouse who had clearly stated they were going to take over the world, and so marginal countries were the battleground. What is Russia now? Russia is more akin to the Russia of, what, 200 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Are they looking, and, and for all the people out there, I, I'm trying to sit in the Russian leadership's shoes. I'm not defending what they say, but they're looking for defensible frontiers, and they have influence, et cetera. And so how hard are we willing to fight in those areas to prevent that. How hard are they willing to fight? I don't know. But we should look really hard at NATO and determine where is the natural boundary of NATO and evaluate what are we willing to do at those boundaries. It sounds great. And it's wonderful when Jack Keane, the former Vice Chief of Staff of the Army says, well, we have a moral imperative to defend these people. Well, fuck your mm. moral imperative. We've yeah, got exactly. national interest, which should be clearly defined. And some people are going to fall inside that. Some people are going to fall outside that. And some people are going to be on the margin of that. Um, with regards to energy, I, I think it's, it's obvious what we need to do is uh, we need sustainable, reliable power in this country. That drives the modern world. It gives you 
all the goods. It gives you modern medicine and technology, et cetera. Uh, the reliable, sustainable energy that's available is nuclear fission. Nuclear fission can be done very, very safely. It has a low footprint out there. And our power grid should be based on nuclear power. Uh, we should stop wasting money, particularly on wind. Uh, wind power is a waste in most places. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't, when you calculate it, they're not calculating the life cycle cost, i.e., what does it take to produce the thing, operate it, and dispose of it? Uh, the only reason wind power is, is remotely close is subsidy. And the base load that wind can take on in the country, as much as wind is increased, and you only got to drive around to see it, it's still a tiny percentage of what we have and it always requires backup power source. So yep. it's just not tenable. Um, we will never be energy independent because the way the, the global market works. But we should be a net exporter uh, of petroleum because we got it in spades in this country. Um, so move towards increase use of nuclear power and be a net exporter so that we're on the right side of the market because uh, like it or not, the, the, the dream of green energy in our lifetime and in our kids' lifetime is nothing but a nightmare. And technology will increase. There may be breakthroughs with batteries, et cetera, et cetera, so that in your grandchildren's lifetime, it's different. But not in our lifetime. And vis-a-vis -vis China, this is a hard one. What are we willing to do uh, in regards to Taiwan? And is Taiwan a, a keystone of Western uh, economic political life? Is it a proxy for not allowing Chinese expansion because the Chinese are, are, you know, the Communist Party is a dirty, dirty gang that slaughtered millions of people and doesn't care about freedom, human life, etc. So is Taiwan a proxy for that? And if it is, how do we properly bolster Taiwan and other nations in Southeast Asia. And the problem with a lot of those countries there is they're not, their governments are not populated with a lot of Winston Churchill's, et cetera. You know, Philippines, Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia. Um, so so you, you end up allied with some nefarious characters. The difference between that, I think, and Ukraine is, is again, I don't, I think that China is bent on fundamentally changing the world. That change does not bode well for freedom loving people. Um, so I would be much preferred to ally with governments like that. But again, let's have that internal conversation. What is this worth? Are we willing? to spend what it takes and spending in all instruments of power 
And if that's the case, let's not be reactive. Let's be proactive. That may mean removing some of the ambiguity about Taiwan with the relationship with China. I mean, it's fucking stupid now. We recognize one China, but then we have Taiwan. And um, look, if we say we're willing to go to the map over Taiwan, let's think through and would that be more thoughtful of us to just tell the Chinese in the world, you know what, we're willing to go to the mat for these people. Uh, we weren't willing to go to the mat in Hong Kong. We're willing to go to the mat in Taiwan. So don't fuck with it because here's what's going to happen. Right. And Mac said, Mac, Mac talked about the Japanese prime minister saying we should look at this strategic ambiguity thing again and, uh, you know, un- unheard of for Japanese prime minister or president to talk that way. Yeah. So, so while I, you know, I think all of this, uh, you know, the European countries getting all fired up and how this has galvanized the West and um, that should be a moment for the United States to figure out what do we truly value? Because what we shouldn't value you know, this is a this is a thing that probably I don't know if it started in the Gulf War. You know, we had to go to Kuwait, and the Bush administration was bouncing around for all the different justifications. So we had to get this coalition of the willing. And now we 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 rely on these coalitions of the willing, um, willing to do what though? You know. What, what are our allies really worth? Uh, and, and again, I think of Winston Churchill's you know, famous quote, it's better to fight with your allies than without them. But if right. we're to fight with our allies, we should, we should ensure that those allies we're worth fighting for and that they're going to put their skin in the game as well. And uh, is this idea that Germany's start going to start devoting you know, the appropriate amount of their GDP to defense. Is this just a a, a passing in the night or are we going to mm-hmm. see that in their budget next year? I'll tell you something. If they get off Russian gas, they're going to have a significant budget squeeze in Germany next year, big time. Um, because getting that supply somewhere else <clears throat> when the pipelines come across Ukraine, and then you're just going to turn them off. And that supply to come on uh, ain't going to be cheap. So we'll see. Anyways, that's what I had. Got it. Um, I would start with um, I, I see all of this where I, the president, as a, a great opportunity for the United States um, that as recently as last summer uh, looked really weak and shitty to the world as we left Afghanistan. And I, and if I racked and stacked these things, China would be at the top of my list. The number one thing that I want to see come out of this is I want, I want to see, I, I want to see China diminished in the world's eyes. I want to see China revealed for what they are and China diminished. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to paint, you know, I'm going to plaster Russia to China. Right. And I'm going to say those words, Back to back as as often as I can, Russia with China sponsorship, you know, in, in any way I can articulate that to diminish China because that's that's to me the great 
Russia is a, a bad actor. Uh, China is the true enemy of the free world. And so I see China as, 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 as my number one priority out of that. And so I want, I'm, I want, I want to pin them to Russia and I'm going to use that as a, uh, as kind of the launching pad, um, <clears throat> for reforms from everything to, to precious metals, to, um, to, uh, medications, to all the things relative to, to being, uh, a more secure nation. And it's going to cost the American people something. But um, I think that that is this is a moment, um, and and that's my that's my number one priority. And uh, I agree um, with you, Will, relative to Taiwan. What are we willing to do? And we've got to solidify that in this whole thing of strategic ambiguity. Uh, I get, and again, you, if the Japanese are there, for the love of God, we can get there too. Right, the Australians have already seemed to be there. The the, the Australians are, are the most militant people in the Pacific right now, and they've called bullshit on the Chinese for a long time. So, so anyway, that's relative to China. Relative to um, energy, I, I, the nation's got to get to terra firma on this, right? And and green energy is not terra firma. It is, as Will said, if it's if it's a dream, it's a nightmare right now. Okay, people are selling shit that they cannot deliver on, right? And the whole notion of electrical cars, I think Will put it very well a couple days ago when he said, look, these are trinkets for wealthy people, right? They are in no way, shape, or form is this technology ready to be distributed to the masses and and the power grid's not ready to support it. So, again, not in our lifetime. So we need to get to terra firma. So we need to enact legislation that allows um, petroleum and gas extracting entities, right, 15, 20 years in which these laws cannot be, um, cannot be, you know, repealed. And you can go ahead and, and, and invest um, because, again, there's, there, there's no short-term fix, as I said at the top of the program. Um, there's no, nobody else is coming. So if we don't do that, what are we betting on, OPEC, right? So that's ridiculous. So to me, that would be the, 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 the next part. And then I would, again, I'd, I'd incentivize, I'm willing to incentivize electrical vehicles and if they can be made cheaply. I'm, but again, I think that's just a pipe dream, and I'll throw those fuckers a bone just to say, go ahead and do it. But it's got to go to the masses, right? $80,000 for a sedan? That's fucking crazy, okay? So, but again, to get the nation on terra firma, and again, fundamental to terra firma is nuclear energy, and I think the world's going to have to come to that. Fundamental to terra firma is oil and, gla- oil and gas in the United States. Um, so that would be energy. Uh, relative to Russia, Ukraine, I don't know that I really care. I mean, again, Will's right in his assessment, you know, um, the status quo, you know, antebellum, right? So that's what we want. But I, I, do I care where that line is? I don't. What I really care is Russia is going to be diminished and oxygen. Hey, before we go. Yes. Before we go. Fuck, I work in a Latin term like antebellum, and I don't even get a shout-out on that. Well, it's a tribute to your, to your gigantic intellect. that we, <laughs> Jeffrey and I just thought, oh, yeah, that's Will talking. Latin, of course. Of course. But I want to see Russia diminished, and, and, and we're already a ways down that path. Um, and then what, what, what I hope happens out of this, although it's not necessary, but what I hope happens out of this 
is regime change in Russia because I don't see another Dr. Evil on the horizon. And and I think once you get back past Vladimir Putin, I think Russia becomes a much different version of Russia uh, without him uh, in, in charge. So I, I want to see them diminished and I want to leverage those events to, to, to weld them to China and also see China diminished. Relative to Europe, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm leery of the buffer states becoming part of NATO, right? And dragging NATO into a fight that, you know, really those buffer states were there for a reason. They were buffers, right? And, and so, I'm I'm leery of that. So I would postpone that because I don't see that that is the most important issue here. What I do see as important is, you know, Germany and that 2%. That is really important. France reconstituting its military and the UK reconstituting its military. And and I see that as, as, as something that we've made you know it seems like there's been some realization well that's got to that's got to bear fruit and i think that's really the most important th- thing is 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 their commitment to their own defense and their own militaries and then if we can somehow or other partner with them relative to liquid natural natural gas if we can subsidize that to an extent right and create a market for ourselves so that they would have secure energy Right in in exchange, so we would incentivize their own defense, saying, "Look, we can supply this stuff. We can do this. Right? It's going to require some investment for a few years, but we're willing to do this because what it does is it stabilizes all of us. And in return for that, we want your pledge to follow through on this this happy moment of defense. So, yeah, so hey, on two things: two, one on the LNG, liquefied natural gas. Uh, it doesn't require a subsidy. It requires governments to get out of the way, particularly government in the U.S. You know, there needs to be permitting to allow liquefaction plants to be built in the U.S. because it can compete uh, it, once once you get there and when you take the subsidies off the pipelines. Now, the second thing is, um, if there's no Dr. Evil in the future, what do we want Russia to look like and... And how do we start shaping that now? And you have said that Russian civilians need to feel the pain of this. But in the end, we want Russian civilians to have a positive view of the West and of the United States. And if we make this too painful, that post-war ability to change opinion within Russia is damaged. And And that's something that that people should be looking hard at because wouldn't it be great if we could not have an expansionist nuclear armed Russia because the mass of the people would prefer to live in a modern country. Um, But if we're allowed to be painted as we're the Dr. Evil, it just makes it more problematic. Yeah. And, you know, one other thing, uh, you know, what you said, Mac was pretty good, you know, but, Couple things uh, that you know I got to kind of talk about the uh, the idea that those are buffer states because we wanted buffer states. That's not true. They were buffer states because the Soviet Union had armies all over. They owned them, and and then they had they were proxy armies of the Soviet Union on, against their will, which was proven in in uh, Hungary in 1956, Czechoslovakia in 1968, the constant stream of escapees trying to get across what we call the Iron Curtain. Right. So, you know, some of those countries, they rate. I'd say Poland be the main, 
in one, probably the most screwed over country in modern history, Poland. And uh, in my mind, right, in my though, mind's eye, Jeff, I was thinking more every, about the Baltic republics, right? I was speak, yeah, I, already, thinking more about Finland and Sweden, right? Yeah, um, I, I agree on Finland and Sweden, right? But those, and you know what? If it's already done, you can't really, like, we can't throw Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania out of uh, NATO because right. they've been accepted in, you know. Right. But I hear you on that. Yes, don't make it go any further, and uh, you know, and 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 that's good, you know, policy. The uh, yeah, that, that, that's just how I look at that. I don't want to, I don't want to forsake those people. But the frame now, if you're not a hundred percent, let's go balls to walls. Then, then you're the opposite. You know what I mean? And really, the truth is, I just want a little bit of um, you know, a little bit of prudence about the level that we're going to go for stuff that's uh, doubtful. And right. like what you, you know, guys are you, saying about uh, it, about China, is, you know, it's dead on. That's our main problem. That's our main threat to the world. Exactly. You know, and to me, what I would look at all those Republicans say, if you're not in like the Ukrainian military was in, don't expect us to have a few bases and then come be your defender. Right. Yeah. You've got to be bleeding more than us in that in that fight. And you've got to be in yeah. it. To the to like they are to death, right? And and that's that's and and if we will be we will be your partners in it, but we will not be your proxy. And 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 mm-hmm. I and I think that I think that that's important. And relative to Will, your question about about Russia, I mean, again, I mean, I think the West should, I mean, literally trip over itself, you know, on the far side of Vladimir Putin to 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 say, hey, we we've been wanting. Right, uh, Angela Merkel's vision for a Europe that includes Russia for a long time, but we've never had a partner that we didn't look at who, who wasn't a throwback to the Soviet Union. I mean, wh- I mean, NATO. Look, NATO is not an offensive event. I mean, shit, it's barely a defensive one. So this whole fucking nonsense, you know, about you know NATO's threatening you. NATO fucking can't even threaten itself, let alone threaten anybody else, let alone threat, threaten Russia. And so um, so we would, you know, look, do you want it to be incentivized? We would, we would, we'll trip over ourselves getting there, you know? And um, and so, again, I, uh, but I, I don't like it when people say, oh, we're, we're going to make it too hard on them and we've got to stop. No, if you are an aggressor, right, belligerent nation, Right, in my opinion, that 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 has evil in its heart, and that's Vladimir Putin and his little bunch of shitheads, right? Then then you have to fucking pay, and the people that keep you in office, then they have to fucking pay. And I don't like this. We have to. We, oh, you never know what he's going to do. Oh, if we make it too hard, I, I don't like that. If you, you yeah, I, I agree. I say it should be in our minds eye, though, that we're going to be looking to make a pivot. And let's not forget that that in internally in Russia right now um, we're being painted as a bad guy. So let's think through that. Right. Not saying that it shouldn't be done right. at all, but let's not be surprised if there's resistance among the Russian body politic in the future that you know the U.S. really loves them. You know what I mean. No, I, I again. I'll, all I would say is, 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 look, if you if you create stability in your country, our horrors on Wall Street 
will fucking trip over themselves and piss on themselves, right? Trying to, to, to make money in your country. It's the way they are, right? I mean, shit, we finance China's rise. Why wouldn't we finance yours? But what, what we need to see from you is, is a stable government that isn't, doesn't have at its interest threatening anybody else. Because we, we, we don't have designs on, on Western Russia, believe it or not, okay? It's just this side of Afghanistan anyway, and, and we think we learned a lesson there, although it is greener, you know? So anyway, um, next 24 hours. Any other thoughts on that, Jeff? Um, yeah, I tell you, I still think that uh, we should look to our own borders. I mean, you know, we all said the same thing about energy independence, you know, in different ways. We all said we got to beef up our energy independence and get ourselves so we're not beholden. We're beholden to as few outside entities as possible. But that border thing, it's a huge, it's a huge problem that they. They're just ignoring. I mean, the, the current administration cares more about the Ukrainian border than ours. It's just ridiculous, you know. And uh, shit, you got Ukrainian and Russian refugees coming across the southern border. It's stupid, and uh, and it's just no no attention paid to it. It's like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's ludicrous to me. And that is a big threat. And that is a big threat in a lot of different ways, and uh, it's being neglected. So my because of that. I think the nature of this, whenever we talk, like whenever, whatever comes out and it's semi, you know, uh, propagated by the current administration, I just don't believe any of it. The Bitcoin thing, because they're saying it, I doubt it. It's been one, we've been subject to one panicky, you know, lie after another since 2016. One after another, and they all turn out to be false. And and that's why I smell a rat in this whole Ukraine, Russia, you know, current crisis because i just feel like it's being misrepresented to us and uh and you know so it's good of you to put you know to allow us to say hey this is what we would do if we were opponents and stuff because i think you know there's a the united states best interest is not being looked after there's a lot of uh there's a lot, a lot of gimmickry going on that's what i have to say got it next 24 hours will what are you looking for in the next 24 hours anything int- uh, specifically you know it, it seems like we're we're in a a lull of nothingness right now and that should make all of our you know spidey sense go on edge right when you think you sort of understand some things and they've settled down to a status quo it's the time for something goofy to happen and uh is i think i saw Zelensky is you know been willing to talk about status quo antebellum is he desperate does that lead to something um have the russians been using the last three four five days to sort of get their shit together and are going to make some sort of big push um you know i i i I, there's something unpredictable i think coming out there um I don't think the Ukrainians can sustain what they have right now. And I'm not sure the Russians want to sustain. And I guarantee you that while the Germans have said they're going to shift off Russian gas, um, the reality of that is going to smack them really hard. 
There's no free lunch. They're going to have to give up something. Uh, but doesn't it seem odd that, it, like, for the last, what, at least 24, if not 48 hours, what's happened? That just seems odd to me. So I'm waiting for something to explode. Yeah, that's uh, to me. That's the sixty-four thousand dollars question. What I mean, and again, you you hear some. Um, the only I, I will tell you the best coverage I've seen um, uh, is CNN International. I used we used to have to we used to watch it in, in Iraq. Um, I haven't watched it very much since, but it's the only coverage that I see here, and. Um, and, you know, it's just it's a very different perspective when it's the non-U.S. perspective. Uh, I, I think it's much more balanced reporting. And so, um, and so, again, you hear different people come out. So why is there this lull? And then the, the next question is, right, if the Ukrainian military has fought them into this lull, what, is, what has this lull allowed them to do for themselves logistically? And what you hope is... A lot of that stuff that got pushed into Ukraine, right, has now been pushed forward. And this lull has allowed them to load their shit up again with more stingers, with more javelins, with more drones, right? So that they, they continue, obviously, the good work that they've done in terms of fighting to the stalemate made everywhere except in, in the southern part of the, the Ukraine, where it, the southeastern part where it looks like, you know, the Russians have, have made more progress, so I, to double down on what Will said, I, but again, to me, the lull, right, if there's, a, if there's a logistical race to be won, I think the Ukrainians could win that because they're getting NATO shit. I don't know. I mean, the Russians, I mean, they're operating in the clear relative to radios. Will talked about the tires on their vehicles were blowing out. They're Chinese tires. And then the weather's against them. Will, you were going to do a deep dive on the weather, too, you said yesterday. And so you have that that the Russian military faces. On the inside of that, you have, you know, again, by all accounts, you know, the tougher-than-shit Ukrainian military. and But they're getting NATO equipment. And... um and their resolve seems, you know, at least everything I've seen seems unshakable at this point. So to me, you know, the defender, you know, is probably who you want to be. And uh, but I'm with Will. Why is it going nowhere? Why is it going nowhere? So that's what I'm most curious about: indicators, indications, and warnings of, of what is behind all that. Which 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 narrative is is true? So I'm I'm curious to see. Yeah. That. One data point, and this is from a sole source. So, supposedly, uh, Ukrainian border guards are combing through the refugee columns going outbound and telling all adult men to go back. Again, it's a sole report I saw. But that, that might belie the narrative a bit of... You know the Ukrainian people rising up right. to fight against the Russians. Well, but that's this that idea. story's been in the last two weeks, though, because everybody the, yeah, the refugees. Sean Penn said, yeah. "Yeah, the refugees that were leaving, everybody, you know, you know, women and children, every military age male was not allowed to leave, and that was just yeah, that was I, national uh, policy, I think." Yeah, that sort of belies the narrative, though, of of all the great Ukrainians rising up to defend the motherland, right? 
How about how about a lot of great Ukrainians rising up to defend the motherland? Well, in the yeah, as a defender, like, that's intellectually defendable. It take I think many, right? No, you're right. Yeah, so you're right, Jeffrey. But you know, during World War II, it was like the, the big narrative now is that everybody volunteered in World War II <laughs> to go fight the Nazis, and that's bullshit, man. They had to come out. They had to drag some of those guys kicking and screaming. We needed that draft. You know, and so um, you know it's, it's true. A lot of Americans you, did, but you know, you know what's interesting is you meet guys like that, right? Or you know, you fought in World War Two. Yeah, um, where where were you? I was in Europe. Uh, when did you join? I joined in forty four. Like, uh, did you just turn eighteen? No, I was twenty two. <laughs> I was twenty two. Yeah. Right? They they drug my ass to the mill, and just like what? Right, and they look yeah. at you like, yeah, I didn't want to go over there and fight. It wasn't, yeah, I didn't want to, and I finally got drafted, you know, and then I went. And so, you're, no, Jeff's right. There's a lot of people who were not so much about that, and uh, so, and again, like with every conflict, hey, we all know marching to the sounds of the guns when everybody's going the other way. That's not that's not for everybody. Okay, that's right. not for everybody. You know. Uh, uh- if you look up uh, Dan Hignight, highly decorated Marine, who's my buddy's drone instructor in, uh, in boot camp, Kirkaby, the guy who, who yeah. comes up on the net sometimes. Yeah. This guy, he was drafted. He ended up with like Silver Star and a bunch of other medals and shit, you know, and uh, you know, he became a drone instructor, stayed in the Marine Corps. But uh, you know, he didn't know how much of a Marine he was until, and he was drafted into the Marine Corps, not, you know, in the Army and chosen. They said, you're going, you're going to be a Marine. You three guys are going to be Marine Corps. You seven guys are going in the army, you know, and uh, and that was sixty seven. I think that happened in sixty six. So you know, it's like yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't be a, you can't grow into it. You know for sure. Right? Yeah. No, you can't be great at it. And but again, it's it it's not for everybody, right? To see the black clouds of smoke and everybody else pouring the other way, and you're walking that way. Those are different human beings, man. Those are different human beings. And and to me, again, I, I've said this before, but I have that scene from The Forgotten Soldier of these German tankers in their black, you know, piss cutters sitting in their tanks, right? And they were going to go counterattack back into, right, the encirclement to hold the shoulders so the rest of the army could get out. And and, and in, in the book, Seger says, you knew they were probably going to be dead within 12 hours, right? Their chances of, of survival were, were minuscule, you know, and we would, we would yell as we went by, and they, would sit, they were sitting there joking and smoking, but you knew they were going to face their death very shortly, and most of them would be dead. And you're just thinking, fuck, man, that's some fucking serious shit, and that's what, I mean, and that's what's going on there, and as they courageously fight, you know, the red menace. So, Jeff, in the next 24 hours, what are you looking for? Well, I think we're going to find out that uh, that ship they found Shackelford's thing, that uh, somebody carved, let's go Brandon, in the uh, mast of it. But uh, I was trying, I couldn't find any graceful way to work that in. Sorry about that. But uh, the next 24 hours, you know, I think uh, there'll be some kind of breakthrough as far as, uh, you know, I mean, I've been saying this over and over again, you know, a huge bombardment by the Russians to try and intimidate. But now I'm thinking we're going to to get word of uh, some kind of a agreement or a little bit of uh, of a movement on uh, the negotiations that are supposedly going on. I think they've been negotiating going on since before this thing, and we just don't know about them. You know, 
Interesting. That's what I think. I, I've seen I've seen people speculating that, and, and it has to do in tandem with the Russians allowing supposedly these evacuations that are taking place today, that that would be step one, and that someplace in Russia, somebody has concluded that we're not going to get there. And so let's negotiate right. this thing before it turns against us. So, I, I yeah. again, now more. Again, I, I could – I'll probably – Ardennes type offensive, you know, into you know northern Ukraine, and I'll look like a jerk off. But right now, that's what I think. Yeah. No, I, again, it's that um, which I, I know which narrative I want to believe. So again, indications right. and warning that one of these narratives is more true than the other, and there just isn't enough information out there. But again, the, the thing that that I like in this lull is I, I if I was going to bet on somebody, I would bet on. The Ukrainians armed with NATO shit and more of it, right, uh, to continue doing what they're doing, which is making life really fucking right. difficult for 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 the Russian army. And so I would I, I would yep. I, I'm most confident of if I if you asked me to put my my money on a on on a spot, I would put it on that spot that you would see more of this and 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 and. And, and defense that would be increasingly more difficult given that those weapons and that armament. So anyway, all right, boys, uh, Jeff, I know you got to get to work. I appreciate you you doing this. And will um, the birthday's tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken? No, no, uh, Saturday. All right, I knew that. I was just making sure. Three twelve, the remember. day after O three eleven. International Rifleman Day Friday. <laughs> and, International uh, Marine Rifleman Day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And for anyone out there, if you haven't read Endurance, the book about Shackleton, you've missed one yeah. of the all-time great stories ever. Endurance. Go buy it and read it. Great book. The first person now, I ever we are, heard. We are small people compared to those men yeah so. the first person uh i ever heard i think uh, mike musselman was reading the book and and he was taught he was telling me the story about this thing and uh and so yeah his uh his ship after 107 years was found and so i mean how how cool will that be to watch to see you know what it looks like and all the rest of that stuff so yeah so. A, a very tiny anecdote so they go, they're stuck there for a year. Shackleton gets in a small boat with like four other people, sails across the South Atlantic, ends up on New Georgia Island down there by the Falklands, climbs over a glacier with these three guys, gets to the town. And the harbor master in the town is a guy that Shackleton has known for like 30 years. Goes up, introduces himself because the guy doesn't recognize him because he's been gone for a couple of years, just sailed across the South Atlantic and climbed over a glacier. And the harbor master in the town, when Shackleton tells him who it is, he breaks down crying when he looks at him. Um, that's what that guy endured to get there. And he took his entire crew out, didn't lose a single man. That's, so, that, that's the craziest part. Story. That's the craziest part, yeah. given the conditions and everything, the length of time and the conditions. It's like, yeah, if I were a betting man, that's not where I'm putting my money on that event. So, yeah. And, and let me tell you. Uh, nowadays, yeah. And nowadays, the, the Navy can't even drive up, get out of the fucking uh, bay in San Diego without losing a man. Oh, my God. And, and, the, and the book is appropriately named Endurance. Endurance. All right. All right, boys. Thank you very much for the visit. Right. right. See you, man. All right. See you. Yep. Bye-bye, guys.
You know, I don't often say this, but I thought that was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's one of the things I uh, I enjoy most about this is thoughtful discourse with smart guys. And um, well, my thanks to Tim, who could not be with us, so we'll give Tim a chance to to do this. But my thanks to Tim for um, giving me the idea of doing it. So, um, no, I don't say that very often, but I thought that was very, very interesting, that last segment about what do you, if you were the President of the United States, in terms of end states, what would you see vis-a-vis China, energy, Europe... And Russia, Ukraine. And I would even say vertically prioritize those for me. So, anyway, on that note, I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio broadcasting from Germany. Yeah. Um, beautiful day here in, in Germany. Uh, current conditions are 56 degrees here at Ramstein. Airbase. Tomorrow going to be 58. Friday going to be 55. And Saturday when I fly home, 56 degrees. Post-traumatic winning tomorrow. Fired up about that. Um, and then a couple times on Friday. So, um, yeah, and I found out today the uh, the wife of the chief of staff of the Air Force talking trash about post-traumatic winning. I mean, good trash. Uh, her name is Shereen Brown. And she's one of the reasons why I was... I. I actually got out to the uh, to pack pack aft, uh, which is the the Pacific Air Force. I think this is called URAF, which I don't know that I would do that because it sounds too much like your ass. Um, yeah, being the jackass that I am, I'd be I'd be leery of that. But uh, no, she was very she and at the time her husband. Um, General Brown, um, he was head of PACAF, and uh, the chief of staff of the Air Force was General Dave Goldfein, and his wife uh, is the one that brought me to their general, their executive officer summit, which is their three and four stars. And so I ran, I met Shereen Brown there, and so she had been a great supporter. So yeah, they said, oh yeah, we talked to her. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited uh, to do this and, and really, you know, to kind of open up a door, a new, open up a door to viewing leadership in the world of mental fitness a little bit differently and, 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 and laying the intellectual foundation for that and that once you understand that 98% of us don't have serious mental illnesses, what do we need? Then once you understand where we come from, right, you understand the importance of mentors, life coaches, and leaders in life. And I would dare say, trying to stay away from medication and quote-unquote therapy. Because all you have to do is look at the data, right? It doesn't take us to a good place. So anyway, excited to <clears throat> do this on the European continent for the first time. So, um, 
Yeah, on that note, my thanks to uh, Will and Jeff for their thoughtful uh, discussion today. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Mike McNamara of the Salmarine Radio. Have a great day. If I can help you help somebody, yell at me. Right? And we'll figure it out. On that note, from Ramstein Air Base in southwestern Germany, I'm out. <laughs>